Welcome to Gray Matters. Welcome to Gray Matters, where we study gray matters in the Bible and use our gray matter to study the Bible. I'm Derek. I'm Jamie. And we want to welcome you here today. Today, uh, I wanted to go into kind of an in-depth study. Maybe we don't cover all the uh, instances, but I think we'll have a fruitful discussion. I wanted to study uh, Theophanies or Christophanies, or uh, you might also know it as uh, pre-incarnate visions of Christ, appearances. appearances of Christ. I was thinking just now, going into church when I was young and didn't know very much, pastors would say, Christ is in the Old Testament. And I would say, no, he's not. I never read Jesus once in the Old Testament. So um, this is not exactly that because it's that's um, talking about some of the prophecies, but we actually do have Jesus showing up or rather Christ or the Messiah showing up in the Old Testament. And I just want to go through uh, as many or as few as we need to just to show him being there. Um, we could start where I started on this journey was in Joshua, the captain of the Lord's army. But we could even start in the garden where he's walking with them in the cool of the day. So I'll hand it off to you and then we can throw it back and forth a little bit. Yeah, I actually would start before uh, walking in the garden. Oh, yes. The first, like, the first, first two, two first verses two. Yeah. Are, are very interesting in the book of Genesis. The, the scripture makes no argument about whether or not God exists. Right. Just uh, assumes it. Just, well, it just says that's the way it is. Yeah. And uh, which makes sense since this is the revelation of God mm-hmm. uh, given to us. Uh, and it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, Hebrew word for God, there's Elohim, Elohim, which interesting enough is a plural noun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a singular. And immediately we go, okay, there's God who is more than one and yet is one. Uh, he created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form. Void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God. So all of a sudden we have the third person of the Trinity mm-hmm. show up. Of the Spirit. Yeah. And then in verse 3, and Elohim said, let there be light. And there was light. And it's interesting because we would assume that to say something, you have to have some kind of vocal cords and way to evidence that. And that goes through the whole creation, even into uh, the creation of uh, mankind, uh, where it says in chapter 2, uh, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, there was no man to work the ground. In other words, God saying, well, I don't want to start all this plant life without somebody to garden it, without someone to, to work the, the ground. Mm-hmm. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then, verse 7, chapter 2 of Genesis, the Lord God formed the man of dust. And by the way, that's not Elohim. That's the Lord God. Formed the man of dust from the ground. See, what would you have to have to be able to, to form ground into the shape of a man? Amazing power. Well, 
I could do it. I could go out into the soft dirt outside the church here, and I could form that just like I could do with Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. In other words, I gotta have a hand. I gotta have fingers. Oh, I gotta yeah, have. Yeah. Okay. I, I gotta I have some way okay. to do that, right? He formed, and and he didn't just say, "Let it look like man." It was literally he knelt down on the ground, got his knees dirty, his hands dirty, and formed the man of dust from the ground, mm-hmm. and then breathed into him his nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living creature. So very early on, you see this image portrayed of God in physical form, literally shaping and breathing and doing all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And we are told throughout Scripture in various and sundry ways that the physical form of God is Messiah, who is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so you see him here, and, and it's not until you get into later on, um, you, you get a conversation in chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it, keep it. The Lord God commanded, saying... In other words, there's a conversation that goes on here. Mm -hmm. And then later on, he gives them very specific instructions of that. And then uh, we have later on um, in verse chapter 3, verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So we get this picture of God in the flesh, they can hear him walking, footsteps. Yeah. Or rustling of the leaves. Rustling right? of the leaves, yeah. the motions of mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. Um, so, And I, I would actually stretch that back to the first chapter where God said, let there be light. So we have God the Father in the beginning God, and then we have the Spirit of God. And then God said, there's the word of God. Yes. And in John, it says, Jesus is the word of God. Yeah. So even like the first, what is that? Three verses, we see all three. We see the Trinity. Yeah, we see the pop Trinity. Pop right out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that includes Jesus, God in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's Old Testament. Yeah. As a matter of fact, way back Old Testament. Yeah, way, like for day yeah. one. Yeah, day one before day even yeah so yeah that's a and it's a beautiful picture um, some would say that's just anthropomorphism yeah. which means we're attributing to god human characteristics even though he's not but if that's true then none of what we just talked about is true the lord god did not form man out of the dust of the earth and breathe into his nostrils. Yeah. So I think it's beyond just attributing to him human-like characteristics. We see him doing yeah. human-type things. Right. So, I mean, I could, maybe I could argue that out of his mind, he th- formed the dust with the power of his mind. But walking through the garden, that's like, uh, 
that that seems more well in the description they heard the sound yeah they heard the sound so that was that was not just something imposed upon god that yeah he was sort of around yeah they literally heard the sound and they knew his voice when he called out, they went and hid. So, yeah, pretty pretty specific. So, what other examples do you do you have, Mister Derek? Uh, let's see. Uh, there's that whole uh, interaction between Abraham and the Lord and the two angels, and they have dinner, and the Lord gives them some prophecies about his wife's gonna be pregnant and she laughs and and then the two angels go to Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, Abraham pleads with the Lord you know to spare Sodom and Gomorrah is it you know if there's 50 righteous is there 40 is there 30 and this is um, Genesis 18 yeah. and in I have Genesis 18:22. Mm-hmm. And the men turned away from there and went to Sodom, and Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous in the city. Would you destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? So he goes through this, you know, how about 40? How about 30? And I, I, it seems to me that Abraham's like, Well, I know there's not. 50 righteous, maybe four. Well, I, yeah, there's probably not 40. How about, no, nah, maybe not 30. So what does he get down to, five or 10? Yeah, I think so. Oh, 45 and, okay. So so he's standing before the Lord. Um, one of the other evidences that I came across is, I believe in John, Jesus said, um, nobody can look upon the Lord and live. Mm-hmm. So if this is the Lord, we must be talking about a different, probably God the Father. You can't look upon him. But Yeah, I think so. They get down to 10. Uh, yeah. The Lord went his way. Um, yeah, that's the thing about Jesus, is that Jesus is God in the flesh, in fleshly form, Philippians chapter 2. Mm-hmm. We cannot, no man can gaze upon the fullness of God, of who he is. But Jesus humbled himself to become fully man so that not only can we see him, we can touch him, we can hear him, we can hug him, all those kind of things. That's one of the things Christians will talk about often. When I get to heaven... I'm going to run into his arms. He's going to wrap his arms around me. And, and, and you know, we will be known as we are known and, mm-hmm. and, and all those things. When you said that, it reminded me of uh, 1 John 1, where it says, That's that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Yeah. So it's all all. All-encompassing, we, we were able to touch him and handle him. And Jesus is the opportunity that we have to know God. Mm-hmm. And that means fully know God. Um, and that's why he had to come become one of us. 
because without him, we couldn't even glimpse God without being destroyed. Um, Jesus, Jesus put flesh on God for us. Yeah. To veil his glory a little yes. bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, fully God, but at least in form that we could comprehend we're now to John chapter one. Yeah. So, yeah. So then another one comes up, uh, and this is where this whole journey in my mind started in Joshua five thirteen, where he comes across the captain of the Lord's army. Uh, let me pull that up here. Joshua. 513. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? So immediately he says, this is my Lord. He worships him. And if it was an angel of the Lord, which we hear that, that hear that phrase often, and we can touch on those as well. What does, um, oh, he worshiped him. And in Revelation we see, I think I, meant, I keep mentioning this. It's just foremost in my mind. In Revelation, when John worships the angel, the angel says, don't do that. Angels, I'm, I'm a servant just like you you know, worship just the Lord. So he worships this, this guy calls him Lord and he's not rebuked for worshiping him. So it seems to me, this has to be, um, the commander of the army of Lord. I've heard other translations will say the captain, mm -hmm. but it's kind of like the captain of, of a ship. He's the, he's the head guy. Yeah. Or, so why do you think, uh, the scripture in the old Testament, um, doesn't say instead of I am the commander of the army of the Lord, why wasn't it said I am God and I'm in charge of this army, you know, of angels? Or uh, why don't you think it's, why do you think it's not more clearly specified as Joshua wrote this? Um, it's, it seems to me it's more relevant to the, to the moment. Like we, he comes to us where we are. So commander of the army of the Lord, Joshua is leading all his people and they're going to, you know, take, uh, take the promised land by force. So he's got an army with him and here. Um, so he's just, I guess my, my, my assumption would be, um, that he's, he's going to be the commander of the army of the Lord. They are the army of the Lord or the army of Joshua or Israel. So he's just speaking in t into their experience right there. He does recognize them as the Lord. Um, it's interesting that it's in third person, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord, if he is the Lord. Oh, is that what you're asking? Is why didn't he say, I am the guy? Yeah. Well, I, they're in, uh, 
I would say they're in harmony of, um, of purpose and he, he is subordinate to the father and yet he is God. So he's like, he's just, he's, I don't know, uh, creating a dichotomy of, you know, this person and I, I'm the servant of the father. He does that a lot in new Testament where I serve father. I don't do anything, but, but what the Lord commands me. So he's doing that all the time. But, um, I had this conversation with, uh, with one of my friends and she asked me, you know, does Jesus ever say I am God? And I said, well, he doesn't say those specific words, but he says things that are much more profound. Like, uh, you know, the crippled man comes to him and he says, your sins are forgiven. And then he reads the, the people's thoughts and like, well, which is harder to say you're forgiven or get up and walk. But to show you, I have the power to forgive sins. Dude, sure. get up and walk. Yeah, the Gospels are full of Jesus saying that without saying I am God. I mean, it's uh, the I am's mm -hmm. that someday we'll talk about. Um, you know, he who's seen the Father has seen me. Yeah. Um, on and on and on. Although, I mean, even one instance, the Pharisees knew exactly what he was talking about. Before Abraham was, I am. They pick up stones to kill him. Right. And, and the Jews, the reason they wanted him arrested was for blasphemy because he claimed to be God. Yeah. They understood so, what he was talking yeah, about. Exactly. Just as you were thinking, your answer is quite adequate, but as I was thinking of all these pre-incarnate appearances of Christ in the Old Testament, I can't think of a single time where he proclaimed, I am God, and just came out, or I am the Messiah that's going to be coming. Yeah. That's not, and I think you're quite right that a lot of it was was Joshua didn't have any concept of a coming Messiah, of someone God being born in the flesh, and then living and then dying, and returning to eternal status. Right. He didn't have any any of that at all. For him, this was God showing up. And uh, it's, it's, I would like to be in Joshua's head and Abram's head here to try to, as they recognize this is God, how does he show up looking like a human being? You know, and, and what does he look? And, and you even go back to, again, Abraham and Melchizedek mm -hmm. is you, you get this priest, high priest, who came from nowhere, went to nowhere, had no ancestry, and Abram paid him the tithe and worshipped him. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he's there in the book in time and space in the Old Testament. And when we get to the book of Hebrews, it refers back to him that Jesus, it, it doesn't come out and say that was Jesus, but it pretty well ties them together as one and the same. Oh, I thought it was... Um... He was an example that well, it was kind of like, you know, like Joshua was a kind of Christ, but, but, but it's, I, it's more than that. Though. Yeah, it's true. I, I hadn't actually like made the connection that like Melchizedek was a, 
like a shadow of Christ or, but to say they were the same, like that makes sense too. <laughs> yes, it does. And, and again, that's why this is called gray matters. Yeah. Because, you know, I can't jump up and down and go, that was Jesus. I know it. Yeah. But everything points to that through the scripture. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because it describes again him. He had no beginning and no end. Well, that's eternity. And the only eternal creature, person on earth is God. Yeah. Uh, none of us are eternal uh, or may have everlasting life, but we don't, we don't, we all had a beginning. Yeah. I always read that as he just shows up and then he vanishes from scripture. Yeah. Like, well, obviously he had a mother and a father and then he died at some point, but we only know this little sliver of his life. But yeah, you're, you're right. The description in Hebrews is saying he didn't come from anywhere. He didn't go anywhere. It's like, but I never made that connection. Thank you. Well, glad to help where I can. <laughs> but I, I believe that being one of those, those pre-incarnate hmm. appearances. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. What else you got? Um, those are the ones I could remember off the top of my head. Um, well, there's the obvious one that, uh, you know, it's the elephant in the room uh, type one is you've got a fiery furnace with three guys. In oh, there. that's right. That's yeah. right. Tell us about that. Rack Shack and Benny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shadrach, Meshach and under the bed we go. Under the bed we go. Yeah. Um, I know the veggie tales pretty well, but I, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was uh, depends on the. Uh, translation but when they look in the furnace and see they see four guys and one guy is either the translation is it looks like a son of the gods or this is the son of god so i guess it's easy to translate it either way but they recognize there was something they well he was in a fiery furnace along with guys eating lunch you know yeah. <laughs> saying that can you imagine that would have been a a fun thing. Yeah. You know, I I look, you know, if I was Meshach um, and I'm thrown in a fire's furnace and I'm going, oh, this is it. We're toast. Yeah. Literally. Literally. We're toast. And and I'm, I'm thrown in there and the fire is however many times hotter than seven times. Seven times. Yeah. And, and I'm like, look, my skin is. It's not that hot in here. You know what? I'm comfortable. And then Jesus you know, appears sitting there with him. Yeah. And uh, that must have been fun. Yeah. I mean, that must have just been a, a kick in the pants to be be that person and, and experience. That would take fear away from a whole lot of, yeah, lot so. of things in life. Yeah. And I, it must have been wonderful for those three gentlemen putting their full faith in God to meet God himself in the flesh. Uh, you know, to, to, I mean, you can imagine when they finally got to heaven, there was a reunion. Yeah. It wasn't like, uh, who, who are you? You're Jesus. Who's Jesus? Messiah. I don't understand. All that. They, they were like, yay, here we are. Good to see yeah, you. Nice again. to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little cooler here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's, that's one of the, the real paramount yeah i think one of the real critical uh, where the scripture doesn't give us a whole lot of doubt 
that that is an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And I think when we come to understand eternity a little bit, uh, it's very important also to understand that there are some post-resurrection appearances of Christ also. Yes. Uh, Damascus Road, for instance. Stephen, uh, when he's he's stoned. Uh, In other words, the idea is because Jesus is eternal, he can appear any time in time and space that he wants to. Right. Because eternity doesn't deal with time. It deals with everything in eternity is right now. Right. And so he always has been, always will be, and uh, is now. And so... I believe, personally, again, this is not scriptural because we don't have scripture describing what's going on now. But I've read stories, I've talked with people who literally believe that they've seen Jesus in the flesh. Hmm. And if it happened in the Old Testament, it happens in the New Testament. Why is it not able to appear now? Because the body of Jesus is somewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we make this almost too cosmic. Well, he was buried and he raised again. I, I had someone, church background, every everything the other day, say, you know, what I don't understand is is uh, is heaven because you know we're not going to have bodies there or anything. No, we really are. We are, yeah. <laughs> but their picture of heaven is that we we become angels or we become some spirit forms yeah. and we no longer take up space or are spatially involved in time. But the scripture describes all those kind of things. There's actually roads in heaven. Yeah. Uh, there's actually meetings in heaven. Uh, in other words, there's things that we go to and we participate in. And there's a tree of life there and there's a river, you know, and yeah. all these very real things that we would need physical bodies to participate with in heaven. And the body of Jesus is the body of Jesus. It's the body that he was born with in Bethlehem, that he was crucified with, that he was buried with, the same body that he ascended into the heavens with, that body of Jesus is somewhere. And he can appear anytime, anywhere he wants, past, present, and future. Because he's eternal. Because he's God. And so that's an exciting thing to understand that his resurrection, his body raised, the tomb was empty is also our resurrection, the promise of our resurrection, that this body that I'm in right now, that unless Jesus comes before I die, is going to die and be buried in whatever form Maria decides to dispose of me with. (laughs) But there's coming a day where that body will raise Mm -hmm. and reassemble and take a glorified state. It's still my body, though. Yeah. It's still me. I don't know if this is scripture, but it's kind of like uh, you plant a seed. You don't exactly know what that seed's going to produce. And then when you see the 
tree or whatever it is that it produced. It's going to produce, yeah, it's going to produce the exact person that God intended me to be mm-hmm. before a sinful world came about. Right. And uh, the theophanies, the appearances of Christ, Old Testament, New Testament, and beyond, are evidences to us, proof to us, that we have everlasting life in him. And that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a shadow, as we talked earlier, uh, of Christ in the Old Testament, but it also gave them assurance that God was actually with them. This wasn't some kind of a theological exercise or an ideological philosophy that they came up with, that God literally stood next to them. God literally moved on their behalf. God literally parted the the oceans. Uh, God sent plagues. God stilled the sun. God, sunshine, I were talking about. God did all those things involved in people's lives as they were part of salvation history. You know, the founders of our country, of the United States, were for the most part deists. Three of them were deists. Yeah. The rest were like uh, kind of offshoot of Catholicism. Yeah. But the three big big, big names, names yeah. were deists. And their, their concept was that, that God got everything rolling and then he just sort of is on break. Yeah. And that's not the picture the scripture gives us at all. It gives us a picture that God is involved and that even when a sparrow falls, he knows it. And he knows the number of hairs on your head and that he's deeply, deeply concerned, involved, active in our our lives. Um, So... So that's the point is he's always been here and uh, and then he shows up from time to time. And he can do it whenever he wants. Whenever he wants, yeah. That's encouraging to know that he could just show up someday. Although I may not recognize him. The people on the, on the road didn't recognize him. Yeah. And then, then then they did. Because the glorified body is different. Yeah. It's the same body, but it is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Disciple Land, one of the illustrations that I, I use is a, a book called Company of the Committed. It's about Church of the Savior in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're building a, uh, a, a building that they're going to use for a ministry. And uh, they have someone from their church who's the contractor, who's, you know, meeting with them every day and volunteer labor and they're working. And and uh, this gentleman uh, got sick, their, their main guy. And that morning they showed up not knowing what was, uh, who's going to tell us what to do and how to do it. And there was a young man who showed up and began giving them instructions and showing them how to do things. Mm-hmm. And for two weeks, that young man showed up every day and went through it. And they did what he said and followed him through. And the next week when the original contractor came back, they said, thanks for sending your friend. Man, he was great, and he got us through. And he goes, my friend? Who? 
some young carpenter showed up. They're not saying that was Jesus, but I look at it and go, why not? If I were Jesus, that's the kind of fun stuff I would want to do. Yeah. I wonder if they gave, if Jesus gave them a name of any kind, like, is it just Bob or? Yeah. Yeah. My name is Joshua, you know? Yeah. I mean, who knows? Gave him, I'm sure he had to give a name. Yeah. But the fact is that they just assumed that that was sent from the other guy. And he just showed up for that amount of time and then was gone. Or it could have been an angel. Could have been an angel. Yeah. That but, happens. Yeah, but Jesus that. is a great carpenter. Yeah, absolutely. And if I were Jesus, that's the kind of stuff I'd want to do. <laughs> yeah, that'd be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In other words, I, I never presumed that because it was an Old Testament thing, that it's also not a a post-testamental, you know, yeah. biblical thing. Yeah. He can still show up anytime he wants. Yeah. And I'm thankful he does. Yep. And that gives us a lot of hope. And we can uh, go from there in our lives knowing that he is there and he can show up and we might not even be aware of it. And he just yeah. shows up to bless us and and on we go. So I want to give you some assurance right now, though. I'm not Jesus. <laughs> I'm not either. I know where don't, I came from. Don't be mistaken. Yeah. If I was Jesus, I can't say I was born of my mother. No, no, exactly. Just, but if you were wondering, no, no. I'm not wondering. Oh, what? <laughs> so, anyway, it's a good topic. Yeah, good. We pray for us. Yeah, and the audience. Yes, uh, Lord God, we. We pray to you, and it's because of you being eternal that we know that you hear our prayers and even answer our prayers before we even pray. <laughs> uh, because you are omniscient, you know all things, you're, you're omnipresent, you are always here, either in spirit and you can be here physically. Uh, what a mystery, what a mind-blowing concept who you are what you do. And so, Lord God, I pray that this little time of sharing together an ideas, scripture, would encourage somebody, that they would uh, recognize how awesome you are, how great you are compared to our finite selves, but they would also understand that you always show up on time at the right place for when we need you. And so, Lord God, we look forward to the next big appearance that you give us when you come again, when you come with your angels and your army and all those who have gone before and you come and raise us from the dead and call us forth and resurrect our bodies and give us new life. We look forward to your coming. Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. And so uh, we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name.